Um, ah. Are you wearing pants? What is that? <laughs> I feel less first gumpish this week. Real estate, real estate, real estate. Baby. <laughs> take three, take three, take three. Look at us still hey? in business against all odds. If you listen to the comments, eh? Absolutely. Well, oh I mean, geez, I mean, I've, I've been looking for another job lately, right? Because obviously, you know, real estate is just, it's dead, right? Nobody wants to ever, ever buy or sell real estate ever. Wait a second. I sold two houses yesterday, Daryl. What? What? Two houses. And pe people are still buying real estate. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, great guest today. Guess. Great guess. We've been putzing around with uh, some technical issues this morning, so we don't want to waste any more time. We mm -hmm. are going to bring her on the show. I'm telling you, TK, this is mm -hmm. a one-stop shop right here. If you want to know what the hell is going on in this city of Toronto and in Canada yeah. at large, this is the Twitter account. This is it. This is it right here. If you got Twitter and you know how to use it, unlike me. Unlike you. This is, account, the, just this is clean, the number is one, the one account. To Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good morning. Back. How are you? Yeah. I'm good. How are you? Oh, my God. I'm so good. I'm almost TK. This episode is brought to you by Landlord. This landlord software is a game changer. You upload your properties, right? You upload all the information, income, expenses, timelines, mortgage details, everything that you need to have so that you keep track of everything in your portfolio. And as you go through real-time adjustments in, you know, rent increases and uh, water bills and, and tax bills and everything else, they're going to actually give you recommendations on how to make your portfolio more efficient. And it just breaks everything down for me in a way that I've never seen before. Like Excel spreadsheets just don't cut it. I don't think there's a better program or app out there for investors and it's free. Please click the link below for your free trial offer. Oh. <laughs> I, I love um, how you guys did the Canadian real estate show. Thanks. Like, was... I like how you guys changed it. Like, um, was it Nolan? But... Yeah, that was Nolan's idea. Yeah. Well, technically, we the, it was our idea, idea, but, he... but we weren't really ready to go yet. We were trying to wait to build up something. We, we, we wanted to, like, launch it as if it were some sort of, you know, 60% off sale at the Gap. But it really just kind of naturally flowed after our conversation with him. No, it's and awesome. Thank God, because... I swear to God, me and TK were like this close to starting to switching the channel to talk about like only metaverse stuff. Oh my <laughs> Remember God. Remember that? No. That was the first idea. We were going to be like meta channel, metaverse, meta real estate, meta, meta real just estate. find a show with the, with the word meta and that would have bombed Daryl. Oh that would have bombed. Right? Listen, would... we just bombed in a different way. That's all. Yeah. But thank you for coming on again. We appreciate oh, your time. Thank Holy you for God. having me. I mean, I'm not a realtor, but no, <laughs> but listen, no, but you got a good voice. Yeah, you have a good hear. voice. You are definitely like a giant spoke in the wheel of the Canadian like real estate lexicon or 
whatever the hell you want to call it right now, like you're definitely part of it, a big part. So like I was just saying, if I want to know what's going on or I want to know what the important issues are that are in the news right now, I just have to go click on your name on Twitter and I'll see you tearing pieces out of certain people and like uncovering certain things and putting light and, and on provoking like issues. conversation. Yeah. Well, it's great funny conversation. Because sometimes I'll just quote something like right out of an article, like it's, it's in quotation marks. Right. And people will respond to me. Like I'm the one saying it and they'll start telling me off. And I'm like, this isn't me. Do you read? Like it's in quotation marks. This is like the realtor or the journalist or whoever's like, saying this in the newspaper article it's not even me but they act like you know like I posted it so I must be the one like saying this like if it's something bullish on housing or whatever like they try to come at me and it's like really bad and I'm like oh my god I do have to say like there's more like um like on Twitter anyways a, a lot more bearish like people are more bearish I find on the market like it's hard like if I was a buyer I would have a like I don't know if I'd be able to survive as a buyer in this market, because I wouldn't know like who to trust or where to go or what to think of the market. Like if I was on social media, like I don't even know if I'd want to be on social media as a buyer because it would be more confusing because sure. I traditional sure. news is saying the same things. Yeah. Well, look, even for, for people that are in the real estate market, consider themselves real estate professionals. Like none of us have a bloody clue what to do next or when is the right time to buy or, you know, what are rates going to do? I mean, everybody has an opinion. That's for damn sure. And everybody likes to state it, including me. But like some people state their opinions with such certainty that it's, okay. it's like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's crazy. It's like, how do they know? And how can they put it out there with such certainty? Yeah. It's like, almost like they have a crystal ball, but like, if I was a buyer in January, February, and I was looking and I was losing out on all those bidding wars, I'd kind of think that this would be like, almost like a, like a gift in a way. Cause you'd be able to like, look comfortably. You'd be able to like do a oh home inspection and you'd mm-hmm. actually be able to like make a decision. Like I bought last year and I regret my purchase. Like I actually regretted it when I bought it. And even though like it went up in value. When then, you bought it, you regretted it? Yeah, like right away I regretted it because Why? I had a really yeah, I had a bad experience because like when I moved in, I didn't have heat. Like the 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 furnace, the, the heating system was not working. And that left a bad taste in my mouth. Like I've never gotten over it. Like it it still bothers me until this day. I just yeah. feel like I made a bad purchase. And I was rushed like back then, like, you know what, like you didn't really have like a choice, right? Like I looked at the place, I put an offer in like within one hour of looking at it. That was just like the environment that it was. Um, And after that, like, I was like, I don't think I made the right decision even. And I was like living in a condo in Toronto, like downtown, and I still have my condo, but I really just wanted to get out of downtown. But I, I wasn't like one of those people that moved to Clarington or wherever, like those far off areas, but I just wanted to still be close enough. Um, but now I regret it because I was like, I should have stayed downtown. Like I should have bought something else downtown or close to downtown. I'm still like close to downtown. Like I'm not even that far, but something like even more like central. Thank um, God you didn't buy in Bancroft. And I considered, like, I remember calling this one, this one realtor, I called him up, right? And I said, look, like, I have a condo, and it seems like the market is going down. 
And this was like when it was really bad, like condos were bad. Like it was hard to rent out condos. Like everything was really bad. And he was like, you know what? He's like, I took a fire to Keswick and Keswick is a great place. And he told me all this stuff about Keswick and how wonderful Keswick was and how he should take me to Keswick to show me some properties in Keswick. And I was like, hold on. I was like, you know what? I have to tell you something. I said, I don't drive. Like, I don't have a car. I don't like, a I car. live in Keswick. How the hell am I going to be anywhere in Keswick? Like, I don't even have a car. And then he's like, oh, well, that's too bad. Because he's like, that would be the perfect place for you. Because yeah. he talked about, like, how it had so much potential. And in hindsight, I think he might have been right, like, in terms of, like, I could have bought in Keswick and sold and maybe made money, like, flipping the house. You know what I mean? Like, because they did go up. Like, the property values. Like, when I was looking in, like, maybe fall 2020 they were pretty cheap I don't know what they are now but yeah so for now like yeah I do I do feel I got myself into a situation where I kind of bought something where I'm not really 100% into it but like now the property value is fallen so I have to stay like you know what I mean like I I, I don't have a choice <laughs> it's not like I'm gonna you are, you're not alone you are not right? alone on like, this current television or YouTube show you are not alone yeah, my, my wife feels the same way. Yeah, because which, which in turn means I feel the same way. Yeah, like I would feel like even though people say like, oh, it, it's a terrible time to buy right now. As a buyer, I would rather be buying in this environment. Oh, like, yeah. I know the rates are higher and stuff like that. But I would rather buy in this sort of environment than what it was then. Although it, it, it was cheaper then, right? Like when I bought it was definitely my mortgage payment everything like everything was cheaper like now my mortgage payment went up like uh $700 a month yeah. and then in September it will go up again and like I'm fine with that like that part doesn't bother me but one thing that I thought like when I did buy it and this was a thought that was in my mind I did think in the in that moment and it's true is that it it's a really good um rental property like it rents really good and it rents like very quickly um so that's the positive like I would keep it I wouldn't sell it anyways, right? Like I would still keep it. It's just, I have to live in it for a period of time. And I renovated it when I moved in too. So like, I, I, I can't, right. oh, like, yeah, if, so. like if, even if I sold it today, I would only break even, right? right. My, if my you're last, lucky, you would my break last even. Three, yeah. My last three listings that sold, there were um, home inspections and issues found and remedies made by the sellers. Right, which would have never happened before. So, so, so that's yeah. crazy. So, we actually had the same experience as you. We bought last year, also. Don't get me wrong. We love our house. It's beautiful. We the part of the decision for us was like, listen, if we get stuck here, are you okay with it for ten years? Because, like, we were selling our other holdings in real estate because we were already nervous. But it was a time for us to buy a house too. So. You know, we got caught up in the whole frenzy. We love our house, but it was it was the time that we bought the house that is more regrettable because it would have been so nice to have an inspection. We have like leaky roof. We have a, a leaky second floor laundry room. We have a broken drain, like main drain. And these are all things that a seller got away with, you know, a year ago, six months ago. Uh, but now, oh, what a what a luxury to be able to have a condition on anything. Like, what a difference it would make. But anybody that was buying, thinking that maybe they're going to just live in the place for a year or two or three even, is like, 
and and they had to leave in that time frame in order to make a bunch of money to do the next thing they wanted to do. I mean, this is part of the problem, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And that's the thing, like people have to have a long-term horizon. You know what I mean? Like in my case, I thought even if I don't live in it, I'll use it as a rental. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm not gonna like just want to sell it right away but it went up like very quickly like it went up like three hundred thousand dollars in eight months right like it was right. very quick like and what were up. you like then you were like look at me i'm a i'm a real i'm a real estate tycoon look at me yeah. I'm, well like i right? i kept i kept telling my and now mom, you're like god damn it i'm the worst like i just I, made I the kept, biggest mistake i kept telling my mom all the time i'm like oh yeah it's up this much now it's up this much and then now i'm like oh yeah it's down this much and this neighbor's trying to sell theirs but i did notice um like one of my neighbors was trying to sell theirs for a period of time now, but they finally sold it this week. So it, it seems and, like- And what was the I don't price? Know what, was it good? I don't know what they got though. That's I, the I, thing. I think, like, I feel like, I think like so far everybody, like, so there's two other ones of my neighbors that sold too. And they sold for about, um, one sold for $100,000 less than what they could have gotten. And the other one sold for like $150,000 less. But these people bought their places for really cheap back, like when they bought it, like they're not- like, it's not like they bought, like they bought like eight years ago or something. So what, they, what do you mean a hundred thousand less than they could have gotten? Like at the peak? Is that what you mean? Yeah. In January, February. So I actually don't think that that's terrible. I mean, you know what I mean? Cause they're buying something cheaper too. It's not like they're buying something. Like if you're going to buy something and you're buying in this market, you're also buying it lower. It's relative Re in a way. Relatively right? speaking, but it's, it's those people that got caught, right? That, yeah. that 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 created a problem and created downward pressure on pricing, right? Yeah. But TK people who yeah. aren't buying, there's people who aren't buying, right? They already have a cottage or they're right. going to rental. So they're the ones who are like, oh, that was my retirement plan. So they're having yeah. a hard time cope with it. Although that's happening less and less now. And do you find the market has picked up because some people are saying the market has picked up now? I don't yeah. know. It has picked up. 100%. Yeah, TK just, put just up this a, week. a tweet here crazy activity this week buyers yeah. are out hunting and willing to make offers i had five sold conditional properties and two of them have now firmed up on friday wow. so i got three more and so why do you think there's that change like is it just because people are back from their vacations and they're ready to look or is there a different reason that they're all like of a sudden like okay with it yeah, I think, yeah, just people like the, the fear, the 50% of the people who stopped uh, in their tracks who didn't want to buy, right. right, who should have been buying, mm -hmm. a lot of them got over that fear. Yeah. Right? How? So they, they realized, wait a second, I still need a house. I didn't buy in May. I didn't buy, you know, like they were afraid. Uh -huh. So they were frozen. And right. rates are climbing again, the for real, sure. The real reason that they're moving, though, came to light. Where it was like, oh shoot, I, like I need a house to live in. I can't just like, what am I going to do? The rental market six grand a month for the house that I want to buy. What like, yeah. what, what are my options here? Right. That's what I feel too. Like I feel like some people kind of um, like it's almost like they have a negative attitude that people are buying. Like I, I have a coworker that bought recently, um, and you know what? He's very happy that he didn't have to participate in that January February thing that he could have an inspection. He needed a home for his kids and his family. Like he's waited forever to you know be able to buy a home and he yeah. he basically got his rental paperwork and he was thinking of like signing the lease like maybe i'll sign the lease and he actually had like good rent and stuff like that like a reasonable price but he thought you know what why don't i buy now because where he's looking like it's a it's a good location like you know where he bought and stuff like that it's not like he bought in 
wherever, like hours away from the city or something. He's closer to work, like he's closer to downtown. And yeah. you know what? He decided to buy. And I also feel like for people who are um, like renting, like when you're renting, like I don't like I, I don't have anything against renting or anything like that. But there is a lack of security. Like, you, you know, you can be told anytime that like, you know, I'm selling this place and then you don't know if the new owner is going to move in or like re rent evictions, like those things can happen. So there is a security. And like, you know what, if you're a parent with kids, you don't want to be dealing with that. Like, you don't want to be dealing with like, oh, I have to leave this place that I'm renting and I have to, you know, change the kid's school or whatever, all the stress people go through. So you, you said something really good there, Trista. You said that um, it's almost like a, a negative look at buying. Like society right now, when people are buying, they're like, are you stupid? Are you crazy? What are you yeah. doing? What yeah. are you so doing? 90, 95% of the world's wealth is in the hands of 5% of the people. Yeah. Everyone was saying it was a good time to buy back in January and February. It was the worst time to buy. Right now, everyone's saying it's a bad time to buy. So the best way to know if it's a good time to buy is ask all your friends. If they tell you it's a bad time to buy, you know it's a good time to buy. Didn't if you they all see say the, it's a great uh, time to buy, you know it's probably not. You need yeah. to check the uh, Treb good time to buy meter. Didn't you see that chart that was on that Twitter? Chart. Yeah. <laughs> Who made that stupid thing? Yeah. Think about it though, right? Think about it. It was a horrible time to buy when everybody was saying, you know, buy real estate, don't get in the market. Uh, uncles, grandfathers, parents, they're all like, shoveling money into their kids accounts so that they could buy a property yeah, but you've said it so many times tk that when like everybody's yeah. buying and it's the worst time to buy everybody's buying and everybody's buying yeah. and as soon as it's like right a good now time is buy, the best time to buy and it's just all this fear and rhetoric that's out there is preventing people from making that decision and the people who do will be much happier with the purchase because you're not buying a home for an investment you're buying it to be happy and you don't want to be in the home like you try to talking about the heat not working yeah. And thinking all the time, every time you look at the furnace room, you're like, far $5,000, you know, like it's a resentment you have against your furnace and yeah. the seller and your agent and the government. Oh, and I, was, I was like <laughs> off the whole time. Like, cause I, I didn't know that agent that I went through, like it was a friend's referral, that agent. Right. Yeah. And uh, like after, because she, she flipped something to me, she got a little bit too friendly with me. And, and she told me that the seller's agents, they knew that the heat wasn't working. No. So she shouldn't have told me this, right? She should have just Did kept her mouth them? shut. Did you sue them? Well, so she says, oh yeah, like, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, they all, because they all worked at the same brokerage. They knew it wasn't working because when they were doing the um, staging and stuff, they couldn't get it to work. Well, she put that in a text message. She put that in an email. I don't know what she was thinking, this woman. She's like a little bit of an older woman. So I don't know if she doesn't get that, you know, you probably shouldn't be telling like the customer that. So of course I was like, what the hell? You, you, you know, <laughs> these agents knew like, mm. that's not right. If you know something's not working, at least say it. So it could be like fixed or the seller could fix it or whatever. It's not fair to the sellers either. To, like, I don't know. Cause they didn't know it was like tenanted before I moved in. So it could be that the sellers had no clue cause they weren't even here for a year. But that environment is exactly why some people sold their houses because they were like, oh man, like we won't have well, to then, fix the roof first. Dump this on <laughs> someone else, yeah. So then what yeah. happened was um, like the realtors, all of them, so so the uh, my realtor and those realtors, because there's two other realtors, they all promised that they would pay the bill. And my friend's friend has an HVAC company. So he did everything really cheap for me. It was very reasonably done. And he fixed everything for me. And it was not an expensive price. 
So for me, it was just about the principal that you're going to pay this because it's just the principal. You only showed me one property. I never seen more than one property with this woman. I seen one property. I put an offer in an hour. I didn't ask for cash back or anything. I just bought the property, whatever. These people, when they got the bill, they're like, oh, um, we're, we're not going to pay for it. I was like, excuse me, you're not going to pay for it. I was like, there's no way in hell. So I was like, I threatened them with Rico. I said, that's it. I'm going to Rico then, or I'll just talk to my lawyer about it. Like, honestly, this is getting to be ridiculous. I got sued once. Well, not sued. I got a legal letter threatening to sue me because we took the toilet paper holder and the towel holder from a house once. Oh, my God. Well, these people, when I, when I put Rico. That's why they bought the house for the toilet paper holder, you know? Well, they. Did you bring it back though, Daryl? No. Sue me. (laughs) The realtors actually, so they put the money in my account within 30 minutes after I said, you know, I'm going to go to Rico or whatever. Right, sure. But like that realtor though, like the one that I dealt with, like, so now my my friend who was going to sell his property um, and buy another property and his property is like worth a lot of money, like almost like $2 million or something. And he was going to buy another property. He didn't use her after because he was like, I'm not using that woman because sure. she was so nasty. And then until this day, she keeps trying to invite him to her cottage or whatever, like try to get him to like, you know what I mean? Be, be her Especially friend now. Yeah. But yeah. So bad that was, time to kind of lose slimy. clients right now. Right. But like, I've never been like that with people where it's like, they're like, Hey, you want to come to my cottage or like, you want to be my friend? because oh, there's like yeah. a there's like a, a business incentive for it sure. like she i get tried. it if you're making contacts with people but like it's very transactional i don't like that so after like when the bad incident happened with me and her and we were still like on good terms at that point like she had you know what i mean like i wasn't going after her or threatening her or whatever she actually invited me to her cottage too and i was like i'm not coming to your cottage <laughs> i don't really like i'm not your friend you know what i mean i no. own one property with you it's not like you're my friend now but everyone come to the cottage that you guys all paid for. Everybody come. That's, That's right. Yeah. You want to see? She wanted me to come. She wanted my friend to come. She's like, you can both come together. I'm like, I'm not coming to your cottage. Like, I'm really angry mm. right now. It took me months to actually feel better about it because I was like, now I'm sort of okay with it. But like I said, like, if I find another opportunity, I would move out and like but right now it just sucks with borrowing costs like in terms of getting proper like because everything sucks for like buyers too right now because purchasing power is so much lower so mm-hmm. much lower and it's about to get lower it's so crazy i i, I put out a video the other day and I, I was saying like you know people were like waiting for this opportunity for so long and then it's like oh my god it's even more expensive now that the prices came down like what the hell's going on that's right? the thing. Like, if you calculate the mortgage costs of some of the stuff that was selling then, and you compare it to the mortgage costs now, it's more. But it seems like they would be putting a lower down payment. Like, I guess there's some kind of benefit for them, but I just don't see it because it's really expensive for some of the properties. Like, I don't know. Like, is it more affordable right now in oh, a way because they're putting lots of a down payment? No, affordability there's, index. There's definitely strong. there's definitely examples of like that exuberance in the market where people paid a lot more money than they should have. And yeah. then if you look at what it's selling for now, it's much more than what the average price decline is. Mm-hmm. When you use average prices, yeah, it's not it's not much of a difference. Yeah. Um, but like some some places sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars more than they should have. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that was based on like the peak numbers. So now the average prices come down and those sales those outliers won't happen. So like I got a place in Pickering right now that I listed for 750. 
we sold the neighbor for 1.22 million in, in February. So 750, like what would that be? Like what, what was semi-detached two story, four bedroom, four bath house in like a 1970s neighborhood. That's Where? Crazy, though, that you can get that for 750. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Wow. Across the street listed for 839 and it's like totally renovated. Ours is not. So that's the price. 750. Like that seems like a really good price for that kind of property though. It was in February when the neighbor was selling for 1.2. Isn't yeah. isn't isn't that weird though? Like if you told me when I was first buying my first house back in like 2000, if you told me 750, my head would have literally popped off my body and I would have had a heart attack. I bought a house for 286 and I was freaking out. I was freaking out. I think I told this story on the show before. My father-in-law was like, just go for the, the, the bigger house. It was like 315 or something. And it was like, it was a, I bought a 2000 square foot house and this was like a 3000 square foot house. And it like, that's a big difference. Right. And then over time, the amount of appreciation I actually lost on that thing is crazy. But like, imagine, well, maybe you don't have to imagine, maybe you did it. Like, who the hell their first house could be 750 like but that's normal 500,000 is like like a little tiny condo somewhere not even downtown right like a tiny condo downtown is 750 for god's sakes right now 699 you're lucky to find something for 750 it by the way crazy. it's 1457 field lane if anybody's listening right now it's a great oh. property it's four bedrooms four bath spacious backyard this is the one that's 750 yeah it's crazy because <laughs> sure. i I put a tweet out one time a few months ago and yeah. I said, what would the price of a home need to be for you people to buy it and yeah. find it affordable? And guess what? Everybody chose, or most people chose 700 to $800,000 in the GTA. Sure. So yeah. now I'm like, there are some houses that have kind of sold in the GTA somewhere. Like Pickering is in the GTA technically, right? I yep. guess it's included. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah. it's like, what, why wouldn't, like, you know what I mean? Like you all said this, but you wouldn't actually buy it. So this is my confusion here because people said that's what they would need. Like I just did this round and I got like a lot of responses on sure, my Sure, but they don't right? mean it. They don't but mean like, it. You, you I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I had a guy a week or two ago say to me, if this price, if I can get this for asking, oh my gosh, it's such an amazing property. And on offer night, I got the call that said there was no other offers. And I said, good news. The sellers, you might be able to get this for asking or maybe even less, right? Then he wanted it for even cheaper and he never bought it. This oh. is how buyers are. Yeah. Sure. Buyers want to know that someone's willing to pay a hundred grand more to them. And then they're getting it for a hundred grand less. They want to know someone's willing to pay 2 million for it or 1.1. And then they get it for seven, 800. But if everyone's okay. paying seven, 800, the new number will be 400. If you find me. Uh, 4,000 square foot house in Forest Hill for a million dollars, I will buy it right now. That's that's my dream. It, oh. Like 750 in the GTA or 800 in the GTA. Listen, what are you going to get? GTA, when you say GTA to somebody, they're not thinking Pickering, okay? They're not. They're thinking North York, East York, maybe, you know, uh, 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 Maybe like the just the outskirts, maybe Scarborough, like, yeah, but not Pickering. Is Pickering in the GTA? Is that actually a fact? 
It is a First fact. I don't think it I, should I did, be. It, I did, it, well, I think isn't isn't is Clarington on the in the GTA as well? No, please, guys. Barry is part of the GTA. Is it really? I think of course it is. You can get like people are living out in Barry. Oh Come on. my god! Okay, but I don't, really, like, but it is. I'm the type of person like I don't even like to go to like to me like even Young and Eglinton seems far. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't know. <laughs> like it's crazy to be there. You're a downtowner. Far. Yeah. Oh boy. I just like downtown. But it reminds me of like you know when when condo prices were going down in 2020, and all day long there would be bears coming on all the online forums. Like there was these bears. It was like their job, like every day to come and say that you know it sucks and you people are so stupid and you're looking at condos and you're gonna buy a condo. You're so stupid like every single day. And the thing is that there were so many people that were looking and they'd be like, oh, it's going to go down more. It's going to go down more. And I remember going to see a, a condo townhouse and this was like December, 2020, because in Toronto, like downtown, they weren't doing well either. Like the condos and the condo townhouses, neither were doing well. So I remember going and seeing it and this real estate agent like um, showed it to me, like it was a seller's agent or whatever. And the guy was like in the States, he was living, living in like Georgia. This guy was selling that condo townhouse. It was like $200,000 less than what it was at the highest point that it had ever been sold at or whatever, right? So I was already getting like a good deal. Um, and then I wasn't like too sure about the property. So the guy was even willing to go lower. Like he was giving it to me for 720,000. It had a rooftop patio. It was like near King West. It was, an, it was like a nice townhouse, you know? And he was even willing to like go on a three-way call with me to even go lower. And there was like people coming online and they were like complaining all day about how this is a terrible market. Don't buy. It's going to go down more. It's going to go down more. But right in December, I could tell like when I would walk out of my condo downtown, there would be people all of a sudden coming up to me like, what's this neighborhood like? What's this building like? And I was like, something's happening in the air. Like all of a sudden things are changing. People are all of a sudden wanting property. Like what's going on? And it changed. Mm -hmm. Everyone started buying stuff. And then those bears kind of um, like they disappeared. Like they just, they didn't come back. Right. Cause they realized they do that. They, do that. they hibernate. Just like the ones today will, will eventually disappear. Yeah. Like always. Yep. And, and, and I was shocked. Cause I was like, Oh, it got so quiet on all these forums. Like they were kind of entertaining when they would, cause some of them are quite entertaining. Like some of the things they say, like, I don't know. I find them entertaining. Some of them are very smart and, and can articulate their point very well. Am and I not a bear? That's what, are am you, I not a bear? Like no, I, I find you bullish. This is this is the big misconception is that I'm bullish. I don't get it. I think I'm just realistic. Like when things are good, I say, hey, guess what? They're good. And I think they're going to be good for a long time. But like when things are bad, I, I've been going, guys, hello. Like this is scary. What the fuck's going on? I'm so confused. That doesn't sound bullish. I think I think TK is so bullish that it just rubs off onto me. Yep. Oh, but you're not, okay. I, I feel like I'm nervous and scared and like going like this to everybody all the time. And somehow I got a label of a bull still. I'm very, I'm just very upbeat, maybe. What do you want to happen, Daryl? What do I want to happen? That's yeah, do you a want different story. To go down and everybody get obliterated and lose their homes? No, or that's Or do you want horrible. people to prosper where we've got annual year over year increases? You want the honest truth? I mean, I don't really care about what happens to everybody else, but what happens to everybody else directly affects me in a really positive way when things are going up. So quite yeah. honestly, I like it when things are going up, but I'm going to be ready to buy something from somebody that's hurting really badly when there's more blood in the streets soon. Good. But, yeah, and but, I, so I, I, am I bullish or bearish? No, you're like, a, you're both. You're a bullish bear. 
I guess. So, but like, who the hell can listen to anybody? Like a guy, a bear who disappears and a guy who's bullish and totally out to lunch at the moment. Like, how do people figure this out? This is like the, this is the hardest thing on the planet right now. And we were talking about things like turning on a dime, like in 2020, they turned on a dime in like March. And then all of a sudden in 2020, they turned on a dime again. You're saying like in the, in the fall. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, what we saw before they even like raised interest rates, the market turned on a dime because somebody said something about interest rates about to go up. So, so I put out a tweet and I want your, your opinions on this because do we as a whole social media group have the power to influence the sentiment in the market? I do think so, because I feel like when everything was going up, I do think like the social media personalities do play a role in that. Like I thought that they kind of have, because they influence, like they're influencers, like some of the people are influencers and they kind of can change the sentiment because I just think that like, if, if, if like, I don't think it's their, like, I think that they have a good balance. Cause even on Twitter, when you look at it, like there are some realtors that are more bullish. There's some realtors that are more bearish, but I do feel like when things were going up, like that FOMO was kind of created, like people were thinking like, you know what, but then I'm also thinking like how many people come on social media? Like maybe it's a little bubble that only certain people go to, like, do most people even use it for real estate news? I don't know. Like, do they I, think you have, I, I think you have to look at like what, what that, um, like the history of all that. Right. So Mark Zuckerberg was on the Joe Rogan podcast this week. And the question was, asked. Did he about say before. anything? He mentioned uh, Daryl Frankford, but only once. Okay. And yeah. And so he's, he was talking about the polarization of like the Democrats and Republicans. And is it because of the social media platforms that this sort of hyper fueled, um, you know, battle between the two is, is, because of that. And he's like, it's been going on for like 50 years. Right. And real estate markets have been changing, you know, just like always, you know, back in the seventies, there was a major change in the eighties. There was a change nineties. There was a change. And this was way before the internet. So I think we give, we're giving ourselves too much credit to say that social media is responsible. Now, Mark Zuckerberg's he's got a biased opinion on whether or mm-hmm. not there's negative, you know, kind of a vested interest, media, obviously as a, as, as a giant, right. But I, I don't think we're that. I don't think we have the ability to control the market. I don't think anybody on Twitter or anybody's following or mm-hmm. YouTube channel is causing shifts in the market. Yeah. Do you not? Do you not kind of feel like the 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 narratives almost force the sentiment? Like like why do they tell us about interest rates? You know, before they're going to do something with that. Like, isn't it so that we can all kind of brace ourselves for certain things? I mean, we, we see that the normal media has been being used for a long time to kind of manipulate the narrative. I mean, why would it be any different now? Like we see, doesn't it seem like it's like a, a, a kid's soccer ball, a soccer game where like everybody kind of follows the ball this way and then everybody follows it this way? But who's leading? But but, but where is that? It, the the parents, who's leading? The best friends, their neighbor, the sold signs in their neighborhood. It's not because they heard it on Twitter. All that stuff is all just noise in the background. But it's mm. the people who are actually making those decisions who are the most influential on their decisions. How many commenters have we had saying, "Hey, what do I do? I want to, you know, buy, sell, rent, whatever." They're not taking our advice. You know, they might 
mention it and see, and seek our guidance, but their ultimate mm -hmm. decision, even a real estate agent, people don't follow my advice because they think I know everything. It's either I reinforce an idea that they already had themselves, or I give them something else to think about and consider, but they make their own decisions, whether they want to buy or sell. I've never been able to convince somebody it was a good time for them. So, so what about right now where all of a sudden, like people are noticing, oh my God, it's getting busier. It's getting busier. And then everybody's on Twitter going, oh my God, I'm noticing it's getting busier. And then the newspapers go, oh my God, look, everything's getting busier. And then the, 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 the TV is saying, oh my God, it's getting, everybody's going, oh my God, it's getting busier. Does that not perpetuate anything? Does that not give people a better feeling to like, oh shit, maybe I should go buy again. Things are better right now. Like what, what's leading what here? Am I, am I crazy? I mean, I know I'm crazy, but am I crazy? <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that that is not the the chief activator here, right? It's, Could it's... we all not get together and decide that we want to push a narrative? Like, like if we got everybody that's ever been on like our show, for example, and there's some pretty influential social media players in the real estate uh, network that have been on the show. If everybody agrees at the same time to push a certain narrative, do you not think that it could affect the market? No, mm. no. Look at all, go on my YouTube feed for sort of interrupt. Go oh, on sorry. my YouTube feed to see all the the bull or the bear uh, videos right now. It's all over YouTube, right? Your suggested mm -hmm. uh, uh, videos. We have like super low inventory right now yours is all bullish mine's all bearish no, bear, bearish bearish oh. all the negative videos right now are what people are clicking on so youtube's right. feeding me that and yet there's not a bunch of sellers putting their houses on the market that's a whole other so, topic like just the title of our videos and our thumbnails being negative to get more views like how does that not perpetuate a cycle but I think like, it's almost like maybe like more people go out and buy when they see everybody else buying, like they see their friends buying and they're like, oh, that guy bought, I should go buy. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they get influenced yeah. by each other or like TK said before, like they see their neighbor's house sold at that much. And then they're like, oh my God, they got like this much for it. Let's go sell our house and let's go buy something else. I think Ironically. the pandemic did it. Like, I think the pandemic was like a once in a lifetime like event that really made people think about their their home and whatever was in those four walls became the most precious thing to them that people think about homes differently now right like people really wanted that so all of that FOMO got created actually more by people right because they wanted a larger space they wanted to like move around so I think that that is influenced by their own social circles and all the stuff that they might be seeing like even on Instagram and stuff like that like you see those people they're moving to those beautiful like houses like far away in the country but they look like huge houses and if you're stuck you know in the city and you're in this small little place right you 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 want that so i think that it might be people influencing each other the 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 one point that you mentioned though and this is so crazy how this works when you see all your neighbors selling for more money you would think this would spur on more people to sell their home it mm -hmm. has the opposite effect. Yeah, they're going to wait Every till they can get more. Every time the market goes up, people don't want to put their house on the market because they want to get more. They think, right. what if I sell too soon? And when everyone else on your street is for sale, and it's the worst time to be selling your home, yeah. everybody else goes, Jim and Susan are leaving. We better get out of here too. Something's coming. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Not Jim and Susan. We Jim can't lose Susan. them. They've been here for 30 years. They know something. And all of a sudden, everyone puts a for sale sign up. It's so ironic. 
It's yes. so crazy. It's all like psychological. It's all crazy. And like, so, 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 I mean, use this last couple of years or even the last few years as an example. I mean, if, if all of us think that things are going to go left, they seem to kind of go right, don't they? Well, like I think even, even all of us were saying when they were talking about raising interest rates, we were on this show going, there's no way they're going to do that to the market. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think like the thing about like the housing market and stuff like for the long run, I don't think they're ever going to add enough supply for people to actually have like adequate housing. Right. So I feel like we're always going to be in this bind, like whether it goes lower, it, it, it's like, it's going to come back again. Like this is the thing about the market. Like, I don't think there's any way. And I've read like articles, even from like a hundred years ago in Toronto, where they're talking about, we don't have enough houses, no joke. So yeah. there was this story about um, uh, like, I think they were British immigrants that came to Canada and they had nowhere to live. Like they couldn't find affordable housing. So that's when they built like that area on the east side. It was called like Erie Terrace. I think it's called Craven Road now. And they had made like little tiny houses. They called it Shack Town. And those people didn't have like proper houses. And it was a, this whole like thing about how are we going to get some houses? The development industry got involved and made them like these tiny little shacks basically to live in. Um, that was like a hundred years ago. And even like decades ago, like there's newspaper articles that talked about how like, you're never going to own a detached home or you're never going to own a single family home. Like it's just forever. So I just don't see anything changing. Like how could we still be having this conversation a hundred years later about housing? I, I, to I, me, I don't think the government's interested in having enough housing for everybody. I honestly don't think they're interested in it. I, I went to the X on Wednesday and I've got to go into a 320 square foot um, garden suite on display in the inner care. And so Ooh. now I've got an appointment on Monday with the company because I'd love to have a garden suite in my backyard, mm -hmm. right? Like it's like to have a three to 400 square foot garden suite in your backyard in Toronto to convert, you know, with the expanding housing options and neighborhoods to get a duplex or triplex. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to make a major difference in rental housing. Oh yeah. I think once guys figure, once the formula gets figured out, there's going to be some serious money behind that. It's going to drive prices up on the single family, which Daryl has been talking about for a year now. But mm -hmm. as far as creating units, uh, it's a it's a really, really, really smart um, uh, plan for, for somebody who's looking as an investment. Right. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Anybody listening? That's yeah. that's a huge opportunity coming in. You can go and take a property and put in a, a triplex and then a garden suite or a laneway suite. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. No and development it, it, charge, it good... charges. Yeah, and it's a good opportunity, but there's so many better opportunities that if they would just like stop worrying about laneway houses and garden suites and like give like some real density or even give like some consistency to the planning, it would change everything. But like you, you have one building beside the other, one gets 60 stories, the other gets 26 stories. And it's because one's on one side of the street, the other's on the other side of the street in like the densest area of the city. Like, but, but, but like you can add three laneway suites around the corner for, for the three people that actually give a shit to build a laneway suite behind their house that actually have a laneway, right. Mm -hmm. Or garden suites. Okay. Yeah. Very nice to have a garden suite. You're gonna use it. You're not gonna in rent a it to somebody. Area though. I get it. I get it. But look, there's neighborhoods like, for example, uh, 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 Bathurst and Saint Clair, where there's like 
there's like four or five story little apartment buildings within the single family houses all over the place. And you've got multiplexes on the streets, like on Claxton over there. Like there are parts, even if you go downtown at like uh, uh, Pembroke street, for example, there's like single family houses and then like a 40 story tower on the street. So it's possible. There's just, like you're saying, maybe no willingness, but, it's a very big thing to tackle and it's a very uh there's a lot of people against it so like who the hell's gonna like go against the grain to to do it well and i find the interesting thing like um i think rbc put out that report that the highest growing household size is single people right whether they're widows or newcomers or students there that's the highest growing household size in canada and that's like a fact and some people say it's because, you know, we don't have housing, that family formation is getting blocked. But I don't fully buy that narrative either, um, because there, like, there are people who, like, I've known a lot of couples who've had one child in a condo, and, and then they've eventually moved out, right? Like, they've invested in a condo, and then they've been able to move out and move up. So I don't think just because, like, you're in a condo, you can't have a kid. I think that, like, you know, you look at, you look at um, some immigrants, and they will have like a whole bunch of people living in a small unit. You know what I mean? Because th- th- that's just like something that th- they're kind of used to or whatever. And, and they're just doing that to get their foot in the door and then they'll they'll move up eventually, right? Um, but yeah, the highest growing size is a single, a single person. And we're seeing that now, right? Like with student housing, like they were saying that um, there's a shelter in Toronto, 30% of the people staying at the shelter are students, like from universities in downtown Toronto. 30% are staying in shelters because Smart they've looked, geniuses, those guys. They've looked geniuses. around for housing. They can't yeah. find housing. So they're staying in the shelters. So I feel like we do need um, like more options and stuff like that. It'll be interesting. Like I, I do I feel like if somebody could come up with a feasible solution for student housing and be able to make, I think whoever comes up with something might be able to make money, but I don't know how, like, I'm not sure how it will happen. But I just feel like, to me, like, no one's come up with a solution for it. It's very weird to me. I don't know why. Because there's so many students that need housing. Like, why it's is crazy. The, so, but why is the city allowed to own land? Like, what do they need to own it for? Why can't they just sell all the land and use it for affordable whatever the hell we need? Like, that, yeah. that eliminates. Like, how can you build something affordable downtown when you have to pay, you know, million for the site and then you still got to build something and then like yeah it's almost like how is that going to be affordable it's almost like they'd have to give the like get a public builder and give the land or something and build on it purpose-built rentals like we barely have any purpose-built rentals like the market is screwed like I think people are going to be like we're screwed for the future like we're not going to have supply and uh we're not gonna have enough like homes, we're just going to continue on the same cycle, basically. No, and what happens next when, okay, land sales slowed considerably, and now people are sitting and kind of waiting, and I'm sure there's some people buying, but most people that I talk to are like, I'm going to wait a little bit and see what happens. Uh, I know deals are falling apart all over the place, and they're definitely getting delayed uh, all over the place. Um, And then developers are taking units that were going to be for sale or should already be for sale off the market. So now you have like all of this gap that's going to come in the new supply. TK, what's your rebuttal? Your rebuttal? 
Um, well, <laughs> I see you rebuttaling in think, your head. I think there was definitely a lot of speculation, right? If we look at the percentage of investors who are buying, I think what Chaisto was saying, purpose-built rental is the is is a big solution. I think the condo. I see a lot of condo applications. I, I see I see I see too many condo applications over the next ten years, twenty years. I feel based on what what I know, but I think that there should be more focus on purpose-built rentals. They need to find a way. They they remove the rent control, but they need to have um they need to they need to come out with the, with the taxes and levies. They need to be able to find a way to be able to incentivize developers where it makes more sense to do a purpose-built rental than it does a condo. Yeah, it makes no, more sense it's financially called, it's called for them. Give them more density when they've already purchased the property if yeah. they're going to do a purpose-built rental. And then you bring down their cost base per square foot. Now, yes. maybe it might make sense, but guess exactly. what? Exactly. Or give them, give them more density on a purpose-built rental. So have some sort of incentive right. to say, we're going to give you 10% more GFA if you do a purpose-built rental than we will if you do a condo. We're going to eliminate parking requirements. We're going to, uh, you know, eliminate Section 37. We're going to do all these different things to be able to make this a much easier environment for purpose-built rentals. Then we'll attract so many damn international investors and REITs and people all over who are going to want to take advantage of our high rents here. And we're going to have a ton of rentals for everybody. Yeah, yeah but like I know- do. Yeah, I agree with that. Cause I think purpose-built rentals are a big missing. Like if you look at the graphs and stuff like that, like they've barely built any for yeah. decades because they and got rid of the Because you can buy, but you, you can buy replacement doors right now that are already built for less than you can build a new building for. Mm-hmm. Of course. Right. But so, also, so- also the professional management side, right? So the consumer, the renters, they have to deal with all these individual landlords who each own mm-hmm. one unit and have no idea what they're doing. That's why the landlord tenant board is backed up. It's not yeah. because the system's screwed. It's not because the tenants are bad. It's because the landlords have no idea what they're doing. And it and was that, mismanaged. Well, from and the it's beginning. full of loopholes. Like if there's if if there weren't all these loopholes and you knew like you're fucked if you do this to your tenant, people wouldn't fuck around with their tenants so landlords much. Landlords don't know. And they ask, they ask me questions where I'm just like, what are you talking? How do you not know the answer to this? And you own three condos. Like, yeah. how do you not know about any of the notices or any of the terms of the land, right. the Residential Tenancies Act? Like, it's it's embarrassing, to be honest. And with it's you. almost like, it's almost like you feel like, like some people said, well, they should take a course, but the information is all online. You know what? If you want to be a landlord, like you should read about it and be nice to your tenant, right? Like the, at the end of the day, you have to see the tenant as someone that's like basically paying your mortgage for you at the end of the day, like they are. Um, if they but pay, yeah. Yes, but but then that's the thing though, right? Like it's 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 like the minority of tenants, like a small percentage don't pay, right? Like most tenants, so they, they did um release some data and most evictions are actually done because the landlord is either selling the property or um, moving in for their own use. And the minority of people are not paying rent, but it is an yeah. issue. Like, I don't think like, you know what, if you're not paying rent, there has to be an easier way to, to, to have people like, you know, who are not paying rent, like to go somewhere else, like either but, the government either right. gives them a subsidy. I think a subsidy would be good for people that legitimately say like lost their job, can't find a job. You know, there's some legitimate reason or, you know, you have affordable housing for them to go to. But I, I, I think that that is um, like, I, I, I've done a few surveys like that on my Twitter account where I've asked people, would you rather have an institutional landlord or a mom and pop? And people seem divided, like 50-50, but there's a lot of people that leave comments saying- They don't know, know any better. 
I want an institutional investor because I want to deal with someone professional and I don't want nobody telling me, oh, my, my son needs to use the property now or like, yeah. you know, my another, a whole nother story. Exactly. So no you know, these, these corporations that. can't serve an N12. So you got protection there, you know, and most of those non-payment of rents from my experience is like, there was like, you know, they were late and then they missed a month and then the landlord goes there and like blows up the whole relationship and screams at them and starts saying all sorts of, you know, uh, you know, ish, like, you know, things you shouldn't say to any human being. And then now they're like, you know what, screw this guy. We're not paying him. He can come and kick us out the hard way. And they just out of resentment will stay there for as long as possible. Yeah. Right. Like, it is, also, like there's a lot of those stories out there. Yeah. You have the polar opposite with, which I'm pretty sure you've posted on your Twitter account before where people are professional like tenants and Very they just, few. I know, but like, if you get one, man, it, then it's your fault your as a landlord for letting them in. Institutional yeah. landlords don't have those problems. That is a very good point. A they don't have yeah. those problems. They I should think have that... to be licensed. Like an individual should get a license. Although, I mean, people get business licenses and that or, doesn't mean anything. Or get a professional to do it. Like well, when I rented my place, I knew I didn't, I wasn't going to do it. Like I just got a realtor and and he basically... like Most, I was most realtors most realtors tristar are not trained either unfortunately oh are they not okay well i like the nice you think they should be right but they're not yeah but you're right like a lot of times it is the landlord who didn't do their due diligence because sometimes the people post on forums and stuff like that and when people ask follow-up questions you realize that the landlord didn't even know if the person was really working at the place that they said that they were working at you know they didn't do the proper checks or they didn't like their like financial information properly so they're they're actually they are at fault daryl's gonna hate my next comment daryl's gonna hate my next comment ready this is bad oh god condos should be only sold to end users oh i'm okay with that investors don't just go out and make all these condo developments get built like we have been doing and we eliminate we eliminate 75 percent of the condos and it becomes purpose-built rental. But you eliminate all your available rental stock by doing that. Same stock, just incentivize the developers to do purpose-built rental. What a beautiful, beautiful world that would be. When it used to be like that, right? Like we used to have it did used to be built like rentals and people were come, like, I mean, when I first rented, I stayed in a purpose-built rental. And I actually like, to be honest, like when I moved to Toronto and I, I stayed on campus first and then I came downtown, and um, I looked around at the condos that were privately owned by these mom and pops. Honestly, I hated it. Going to see these people in their condo and they acted like, you know, they were so picky. Like, I was like, I have a good job. I'm a professional person. Like, I felt like a beggar. I'm sorry. Like, I did not right. feel good going to, to, to look at these properties. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to rent from you people. Like, you all seem so picky. And I'm from Alberta originally. So I never experienced such a housing issue, right? Like, it wasn't like that. So then um, uh, I ended up going to a PBR, like a purpose-built rental, and the person had me grandfathered in to their old rent amount, which I know would never happen today, but it was in Yorkville, $1,100 a month, $1,100 a month. It was a Yorkville. And there was people living in that purpose-built rental, like on my floor, like they had been living there for 20 years, 35 years. There was like old people there, like all different kinds. We're going to die here. That's (laughs) like my grandparents. My grandparents lived in the same building the entire time that I knew them, like entire, they live like, and as they 
got a bigger family. They moved from like a two bedroom to a three bedroom in the same building. And then when my dad got married, he moved into a one bedroom in the same building. For me, it was like renting and being in an apartment building was like totally normal. But people, people do not like the idea of renting. Like it is definitely not plan A for anybody nowadays. Well, not nobody, but but I think it is the way we've made it, right? Like if, if your landlord can just come to you and say, hey, my brother's moving in now. And some of them are bad faith evictions. They're not even really like moving in. You know what I mean? Like then the yeah. tenant notices that it's on rent for more money. And this is the thing that like, like, um, like when I rent out my condo, so many nice people gave me like really good advice. And they said that, you know what? Even if the person pays you less rent, but they're the best choice, take the best choice tenant, like take the one that's the AAA, take the one that has like a recession proof job. They even gave me like job suggestions of people to choose from. You know what I mean? Like just because it was COVID and you want to make sure that you're getting a person that's going to pay rent and stuff like that. And you know what, even if you get like a few hundred dollars less or whatever, it's better than taking a headache just for more money. And then even a headache, you can, you can lose three years of rent with like when they move out and you come and you go, oh my God, they destroyed the place. It's going to yeah. cost me like $70,000 to fix it for the next person. Yeah. And like, I know like my, my tenant, like he's re- like, he's such a great person because like um he had a problem one time with his drain, with the drain. And like, I got him help like right away. Like I sent someone in the morning and stuff like that. And he actually contacted me and he's like, I don't mind paying this guy for this. And I was like, what? I was like, no, I was like, you don't have to pay for the repair. Like I'm going to pay for the repair, but I don't know, like, you know, you can find like, I think most tenants for the most part are, are like good. I, I just think we hear the nightmare stories, right. In the media and, and through like, you know, different people and stuff like that, but social media. Social media, media, no influence whatsoever. The the venting capital. Twitter, I'm not used to yet. So if I do, like if you tag me or or, uh, mention me or something, and then you're like, you know, where's TK? It's only because I have no idea how to operate Twitter yet. As sad as that sounds, I'm working on it. I get all these notifications and I'm like, I don't even look in the feed. I've never looked at my feed. I don't even know where my feed is. I just started following people the other day. I, like, it's brutal. I'm way behind. It's, it's actually good that you're not, like, because I do find, like, Twitter, I do find is a very toxic place. Like, it's very toxic. Like, Where else do you crazy? spend time? Like, you How much, you're, I, you, you, you have a lot of action on Twitter. I do, but sometimes I feel like one day I'm going to disappear off Twitter. I'm going to delete my account and delete all my <laughs> posts and get rid of the whole thing because it's toxic on and there. Everybody it's will be like, mental what, what health. Like she died or something. Oh. Because honestly, some of the people on there, like you post something and then the way that they take it and whatever, like, I mean, I don't know. Like people, mm. and, and they probably think that about me too, like that, that that girl's crazy, that she's always going after certain people. But I only go after people who deserve it, you who know? Deserve like, it. So like, who is at the top of the justice queen list. deserve it list right I'll now? Tell you, and for what? It, it's this long branch neighborhood association. They, they are the, I don't know if you've, you've heard of this association, Oh but yeah, long right beside Mimico. It's like, the, those are the nice, two worst. <laughs> it's a nice area, but you know what those people, they don't want to be part of the major transit plan for densification, like densifying near major transit. They don't think they should be part of this plan because they have enough density. Okay. Even though like they have a go station, so they could like use more density. Right? 
But most recently, they put a, a very interesting press release out called, called Equal Justice for All. And in the press release, they talk about how, like, you know, um, racialized people and Indigenous people, they all have all these oppressions that they go through in the justice system. And they compared themselves to these groups of people saying, we too have oppression going on <laughs> against the developers. So we are, you know, we are in this. They're widening you know, our streets. So they Horrible said, bastards. They, said that they actually made a comment. They said, you know, you might ask, um, you know, what do we have in um, like similarity with these people? And they actually made that comment. And they're writing the MP in the parliament and the federal government saying that they want a break on legal fees. They do not want to pay all the legal fees. They want to deduct it for the income taxes. So when they go against a builder, because these builders are these big guys and they have a lot of power. And then they even go on to the extent to say it's about their security of housing. And I'm sorry, but you cannot compare your security of housing to like indigenous people who, who, who have like very insecure housing situations, right? Well, hold on. I mean, when people that can pay a million dollars for 432 square feet move into a neighborhood, like that neighborhood gets rough. That's what they, yeah, that's what they think. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's, and, and that's the other thing to me about these people with condos. Like I'm, like I lived in a condo for over 10 years, even the complex I'm in right now has condos. Like I'm in a townhouse, but it's connected to condo buildings. Right. And to be honest, like most of the people I see are women, like they're young girls and women and like people walking their dogs and stuff like that. Like they're young people. Like it's like, you're afraid of these people that are going to come into your neighborhood that are just like young couples, young single people, people mind their own business and their little dogs. Like you're afraid of these people. But these people are something. So I decided I'm going to be writing that MP and I'm going to write the MPP and I'm going to write the city about this group after that letter. Because I was like, are you crazy? You're no way you you should not get no tax break for your fighting a developer. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember there was this one case with them and the, one of the neighbors, they wanted to um, they wanted to uh, sever their lot and make two homes. It was the ugliest bungalow. It was like a gut job. It was so ugly. It was just nasty looking like why would you even want to keep this bungalow it wasn't cute nothing was nice about it It had a big ugly tree that basically you couldn't even see the house because it it wasn't a nice tree like I love trees um so they made a big like problem with this house like they did not want to tear down they took this person to like the province like whatever you call it like they they fought but they were able to they were able to sever the lot they put two beautiful homes on it really nice so two families could now live on that one lot. And um, the, the Long Branch group actually named the houses ugly, uh, Problem Child and Ugly Brother. They actually gave the houses like names and stuff like that. And would take oh. pictures of the houses and stuff and put it like on their like, you know, social media groups. They blocked me though. Like they blocked me. They blocked me right away on Twitter because they you, were like, can this you imagine like you, too much. <laughs> you pay one five for a house and everybody's calling it like ugly, what? Ugly Ugly brother, problem, the, the, problem, the, the child. One, child? problem child, and ugly brother. And, and everybody's they were like, like picketing outside your house, and like, home, <laughs> evil homeowners, we don't want you here. Oh, by the way, I don't know if they're like the house. I grew up in the neighborhood. What are you talking about? I don't know if they're like upset because they feel like their property is not as nice looking or something. Like I don't even get it because some of their property, like some of their properties are nice, but some of their properties are, don't even look as nice as the new ones there. Like, I don't know if that is like, I'm not sure exactly like how these people get so 
like upset. And one of the guys in that group actually works for the city of Toronto. Like he works in the community, um, the, the, what is that? COA, the committee of adjustments. Committee of adjustments. Oh, no way. Really? Yeah. He works for the committee of adjustments. He's fighting over there too. Yeah. Oh kind of my fun. God, this is crazy. Listen, I could talk to you forever. I know TK is on vacation, so we're going to have to say goodbye, but we'd love to uh, have you back again for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And well, thanks for your continued again. support out there. And oh my God, we really yes. appreciate you and, and you're our favorite commenter, uh, oh, much you. better than Trent. Everybody's we, favorite. We we really appreciate all the stuff well, you do. Keep, keep fighting the good fight. Hello, Everybody knows Trent. Trent. Yeah. yeah, Trent talks a lot. I like him. He's a he funny guy. We like, we like him too. But we, we, like him we too. wanted he to rank you above him just so he knows. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a good commenter. Let's see if he yeah. really listens to the whole show or so, watches so, yeah, the whole know, show. We'll know if he watches till the end. <laughs>